This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Coming to you from the studios in beautiful eighty-five degrees at the coast. KCBQ Studios here at uh, AM1170theanswer.com. Now, I keep promising y'all my new intro. And Dijon is in holiday mode today and didn't get it queued up, baby. Yeah, it's not in the playlist. I need to fix that. Yeah, you do. But you know what? That's okay because we're in a feel-good mood today. Lots happening. Great show, I think, that we've got lined up for you tonight here on this President's Day. And so I'm super excited to bring that to you. Uh, We are going to talk about, first of all, of course, we're going to talk about the passing of the great, inspirational, phenomenal conservative Antonin Scalia. But we're also going to talk about somebody else that I think should be on the receiving end of a lot of focus from Republicans and conservatives and those conservatives who who loved and appreciated Antonin Scalia, and that's Hillary Clinton. Because you know what? We saw that debate on Saturday night. We're going to talk a little bit about the debate today and all the infighting that's going on there. But you know what? The more infighting we have as a Republican Party, the less fighting and not fighting, but attacks that are going against Hillary Clinton. And so we're actually going to spend a little time on Hillary Clinton today because we know that we're eventually going to get a Republican nominee. And we need to coalesce around whoever that is and be prepared to take down Hillary in the general election. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, my website is andreakshow.com. A lot of people are starting to email me there with comments and, and suggestions uh, for the show. Scalia's passing this weekend. I got to thinking about the death of a great conservative, but I also got to thinking about the death of conservatism because at the heart of conservatism is really limited government as laid out by our brilliant founders in the U.S. Constitution And the role of SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, was to hear cases, but to render their judgments through the lens of the law of the land. The U.S. Constitution was designed not just to protect, we've talked so much about here about what what the, the founders envisioned our government to be, that as conservatives, we believe in individual freedoms and individual liberties, but even conservatives have lost sight from the fact that, yes, that's, a, that's what the U.S. Constitution was meant to protect through limited government, but also states' rights as well. And so when the, the Supreme Court hears cases, they're supposed to be viewing it through the lens of the U.S. Constitution, which are meant to protect individual liberties and freedoms, but also states' rights. We are a constitutional republic, and that has been lost sight of not just a democracy and the barrier, the firewall against a centralized government, which is Marxism, a centralized power controlling our lives, but also controlling our lives by taking over more and more power from the states. The the constitution is the firewall against that. And no one understood this. And most importantly, no one respected this more and worked more to, to protect that than Scalia himself. His decisions and his dissents never wavered. 
And there's been a lot of incredible stories. I've learned more about him. I've respected him so much through his decisions, but I've learned a lot about him as a person. And I don't have time to get into too much of that in terms of who the man was himself. But I think you can tell a a man by his work. I think that people conduct their lives professionally in the same way that they do personally. You are who you are, whether you're in your personal life or you're in your professional life. One of the things that did strike me, though, in in hearing about him as a person was that he was the first Italian-American to be picked and nominated as a justice of the court. And when I first heard that, I thought, what an odd thing to comment on. The first Italian-American? Why would that even be news? And then I got to remembering how that identity group and those immigrants who came here, like the Irish, were mistreated in many different respects. And they just, unlike some other identity groups that, that we could talk about, they didn't spend their lives in the course of maintaining their victimhood status and trying to to disrespect the Constitution and try to, to push for policy that disrespects the Constitution to give more power to a centralized government to then turn right around and give them powers the individual or goods taken, paid for uh, by fellow taxpayers. Scalia was who he said he was. And in an age in which people are campaigning, including justice nominees who campaign and pretend to be conservative only to reveal their inner liberal later post office, whether it's elected official or nominee on the court, a.k.a. John Roberts, um, he was who he said he was. And, and because we now see so many appointees and so many office holders, I mean, there's so much anger going on right now with the American people because of this, because people presenting themselves as one way and then getting an office. And these, these Supreme Court justices, it, there's a lot of Americans who don't even understand this is a lifetime appointment. Lifetime. It doesn't matter how old they are or whether or not they've still got the, the mind to do the work. It's a lifetime appointment, and we better get it right. So at a time in which so many people are misrepresenting who they are, um, more and more people are appreciating who he was and that he fulfilled who he said he was going to be. But there's all, because of where we're at with that misrepresentation of people as well as what's happening in our government. There are many people who will rightfully see his passing as also the potential passing from the U.S. Constitution as the law of the land to more of a living suggestion that was written in pencil, meant to be erased, and then it will rewritten by activists like Obama. He claims to be like, Mr. oh, I'm Mr. Constitutional Expert. I taught constitutional law, which is such a joke that he would say that. Uh, Mr. Marxist-in-Chief. But that's what it's about right now. And so his passing is really a scary... I got so many texts from people that were really horrified by this and what the, what the potential of what it meant. And then we started hearing all these posts. And if you're just tuning in, folks, this is the Andrea K. Show on AIM 1170 KCBQ. What about his passing, though, at such a convenient time? A lot of chaos, a lot of conflicts about the story and about what went down with him are starting to emerge. And I'm not one who's, who typically considers conspiracy theorists and theories. And so I'm not, I'm not here to connect any dots, just to say how convenient. How convenient that he was found by an, uh, an Obama loyalist and supporter. How convenient that this particular supporter who um, happened to find a doc who through no examination of the body, let alone an autopsy, just conveniently says it was natural causes. And of course, there's reports coming out that a pillow was found on his head. I want to know why the owner of a resort happens to get through the door to a Supreme Court justice and be the one to find him. 
Very convenient. Very odd to me. How convenient that he was immediately embalmed, destroying evidence. And how convenient is it that this is happening at a time in which Obama's last shot at completing his transformation is in the next year. And Scalia, Scalia was the firewall for that. He was the firewall that preserved on the court more than anybody preserved the Constitution, individual liberties, and, and for the states as well and states' rights. So now people are wondering, now that he's dead, now that he's passed, if the GOP doesn't do their job, maybe his death might end up resulting in new life for the Constitution. Really scary times. Coming up, I've got Jan Ronis, who is a local San Diego criminal defense attorney, but he's been all over major media, all over the news for many years, legal expert. He's covered all the high-profile cases as well as SCOTUS. He's been reporting on that uh, for 10 years. He's going to be on. We're going to talk a little bit about this in, in terms of the truth because, you know, the Republican Party is always kind of knuckled under in these, these occasions. You know, of course, people are saying, well, Mitch McConnell better push back. He better not, you know, confirm or even or even bring the confirmation, you know, vote or even, even any hearings on it. He better do what he he's supposed to be doing and and you know here's an opportunity for the GOP who were given the majority in the fall of 2014 here's an opportunity for them to do the right thing well you know these are people that knuckle under gave Paul Ryan gave Obama everything everything even after winning the the majority in 2014 why because they're so scared of perception they don't, want to, they don't want to do anything. Uh, one little threat of shutting down the government and how it's going to hurt the GOP in the cave. They give everything. So we're going to talk to Jan Ronis when we come back. We're going to talk to him about what is the requirement by the Senate at a time like this. What should happen? What should the strategy be from the GOP? And where does, what does this all mean going forward? We're going to take a break, but don't change that dial because when we come back, we're going to talk to Jan Ronis from Ronis Law about SCOTUS and much, much more on The Andrea K Show. Mustang Sally Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. 
You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. had to play it. I just saw Deadpool over the weekend. Oh, you did? Awesome. Hey, welcome back to the Andrew K. Show. Having some fun here tonight on President's Day. A little later on the show, I'm going to be telling you who my pick is of my least favorite president, because all y'all have been listening to the Andrew K. Show for years. You know who my favorite president is. I mean, come on. It's Ronald Reagan. Um, I'm not one- Obama? <laughs> you funny, honey. Hey, um, before the break, we were talking about someone else that I absolutely loved, another incredible champion for the cause of conservatism and who actually was appointed by my favorite president, and that's Antonin Scalia. So many stories about him emerging, and what an incredible wit he was on top of his genius and, and his love of and respect for the U.S. Constitution. I am not. Not only am I not an attorney, I'm also not a SCOTUS expert or legal expert, and so I have to bring in somebody who is. None other than Jan Ronis from Ronis Law, longtime legal expert, here to talk about Scalia, the man, uh, and going forward, what this means. I, I'm, I'm curious of what his take is on everything surrounding this issue. Hey, Jan Ronis, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Thank you. Good morning. Um. Thanks for being on. Now, I specifically didn't spend any time with you prior to the show because I wanted to just organically, without implanting my own thoughts onto the situation onto you, get your thoughts about him first, the man. Then I want to talk about the court and what you think going forward, what should happen? Sure. Well, certainly he was a a legal giant. I mean, he... uh America had a love-hate relationship with him, as you know. As you mentioned, he was a conservative member of the court, the most conservative. But he was somewhat of an enigma because with respect to rights that he extended to criminal defendants, he was probably the most progressive member of that court with respect to um, you know, rights to attorney, search and seizure, uh, things of that nature. He was a progressive. And then on the social issues, uh, you know, reproductive rights, um, you know, civil rights, things of that nature. He was very conservative. So he, he had great admirers and great detractors, but he was a giant, no question about it. Yeah, one of the interesting quotes, it's funny you should say that, um, I, I, I pulled 10 quotes from him that, that are kind of some of his most famous. He says, if you're going to be a good and faithful judge, you have to resign yourself to the fact you're not always going to like the conclusions you reach. If you like them all the time, you're probably doing something wrong. So as you were telling me about some of the areas in which he was progressive, I think that might come as a surprise uh, to um, some of his fans. And it might have even been a surprise to him at times. I think he was such a lover and believer in the U.S. Constitution that he was willing to even render judgments at times that necessarily that went even against his core beliefs. Um, he was most famous for the fact that he did respect the Constitution as the law of the land in ink and not a livable uh, and living document. Another quote I want to throw at you and get your response to is he says, um, the argument of flexibility goes something like this. The Constitution is over 200 years old and society's change. It has to change with society like a living organism, or it will become brittle and break. But you would have to be an idiot to believe that. He says the Constitution is not a living organism. It is a legal document. It says something and doesn't say other things. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, all the justices on the Supreme Court are bound by the Constitution. They all have different views of what it means. 
he just took what was has been commonly referred to as a strict constructionist view, and he felt that the Constitution should only uh, be interpreted as the founders intended it to be, whereas let's say let's utilize the word progressive, the more progressive elements within the court have always felt that the Constitution is a living, breathing, uh, mutable uh, document that has to expand as society changes. So, um, you know, he just adheres to the conservative point of view, and I don't know who's right, who's wrong, but there are two points of views on that. All right, now come on, Jan, what's your view on this? <laughs> well, listen, my view is that society changes, and we can't be wedded to the past we have to change as society changes. I mean, look, we, the, we'll look at the changes with respect to, to the civil rights movement. And had we interpreted the Constitution as the founders probably thought it should have been interpreted, we wouldn't made the great strides that this, strides that this country made with respect to civil rights. And certainly, more modernly, with respect uh, to the gay marriage issue, you know, we would be stuck in the past if we were to interpret it as I'm sure the founding, the founders of this nation. <laughs> Uh, felt uh, about that very issue. Well, so, well, for again, me, it's, it's a matter of it's a matter of philosophy. Yeah, and and for me, uh, one of the reasons why I appreciated what he said here, and I give this last quote, and then I want to move on to the nomination process and what what's likely to happen here. He says, as long as judges tinker with the Constitution to do what the people want instead of what the document actually commands, politicians who pick and confirm new federal judges will naturally want only those who agree with him politically. I, I was thinking about a couple of cases. Um, that, that was heard in this and the Affordable Care Act jump out at me um, because who would have thought that a, quote, conservative judge would render it not a tax to make to hear the case as ripe, but then turn right around and say it was a tax afterwards as part of his judgment just to basically do the will of um, a politician. Well, and with the oh, and let I'm me follow. Sure. Excuse yeah. me for interrupting, but let me follow up with that because to me there was no greater tyrannical grab over the American people than through the through the Affordable Care Act. Well, a lot of people would disagree with that, and <laughs> that's good. I'm open to disagreement and a, and, a, and a political issue. But uh, again, he was very conservative, and he came down against the Affordable Care Act predictably. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, in the minority, you know, at least from a lot of people's point of view, in the minority point of view, but it was consistent with his beliefs. And I, I have to tip my hat to him in a lot of respects. And most importantly, with respect to he always stuck with his beliefs, whether I agreed with him or didn't agree with him. Well, and you know what? It's funny. You should say that as well, Jan, because that's one of the reasons why I respected him. In my open, I talked about the fact that he was what he said he was. And at a time in which people are blatantly misrepresenting who they are and what their values are and what their beliefs are and what their true intentions are, whether they're up for a nomination to a court or whether they're running for office on both sides of the aisle, I see this. I see I see people blatantly misrepresenting who they are and then getting in and failing to do what they said they were going to do at the time. So when you look at somebody who was consistent with with what he said he was going to do, I got to have Mondo respect for that. Because well, it, I, I I agree. It is easier to be a judge than a politician because they don't have to run for re-election. Re- so. Well, at least uh, on the court. Now, if you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. And going forward, there's so much misinformation out there among the people. I didn't even realize myself, Jan, because like I said before I brought you in, I'm not a lawyer. I'm certainly no expert on the law or on SCOTUS. Um. 
I think we all, many Americans like me, were led to believe that it was a requirement of the Senate to that if, if a president nominated, uh, put forth a nominee, that under advising consent, the, the Senate was required to bring it forward to a vote and actually vote up or down, and or if not, not required to actually confirm a nominee. But that's not really the case, is it? Well, it's been a historical case. And common sense would tell you that each branch of government has to fulfill their constitutional responsibilities that I suspect a legal case could be made for Congress never taking action or the Senate never taking action on a nomination. But it certainly uh, would be an, an abrogation of, I believe, their civil responsibility, if not their legal responsibility. I, you know, the fact is the new president won't take office for over 10 months. And these mm-hmm. nomination processes sometimes take 10 months, 11 months. So we could be without a full complement in the Supreme Court for 24 months, mm-hmm. 20, 24 months, which I think, quite frankly, is untenable to the nation. Well, I think that actually happened one time during the Bork situation, did it not? In which that went on, Ooh. dragged on forever, and he was Borked. Well, they, Hence the term Borked, they, they and all, then it moved right. on to somebody else. I think that went on for like 18 months, didn't right. it? They all, they all tend to drag on. I'm not so sure when 18 months, but they do tend to drag on. And I know uh, Richard Nixon lost two in a row nominations to the Supreme Court. So it's not uncommon, but it isn't uh, in the best interest of the nation to have a vacancy on such an important institutional body as the Supreme Court. Um, it isn't really good for the nation to have to let that language like that. Well, I, I, I hear you, and I, but I also have a concern if we're in a situation right now to where some of the cases coming forth are as a result of, of an, uh, let me put it to you this way. Cause I don't like I said, I didn't talk to Jan beforehand. I have no idea where he stands <laughs> on any of these issues. So we're just having an organic conversation. Um, at a time, I think Chuck Grassley, I really liked his quote about it. He said, look, there's an 80 year precedent of not doing nominations and confirmations. Some people say that's not exactly true, but he says there's a precedent for not doing nominations and confirmations in the final year. And when we have a situation to where, the American people, right or wrong, whether you agree or disagree, Jan, the American people believe that we have a president that's, that has overreached through executive actions and that, you know, the American people really should be the ones to decide this at this point. Through the general election, let the next president, whether Republican or Democrat, have the power to appoint. We've only got a couple minutes left. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are that, it, you know, it's a partisan issue. The partisans in the one side might feel that the president shouldn't do it just because they're, they're uh, Republicans. On the other side, they may feel that he should do it because he's a Democrat. But the fact uh, remains it is the president's uh, right uh, and duty in the Constitution to nominate somebody. And quite frankly, it's Congress's at least implicit duty or the Senate's implicit duty to move expeditiously on the matter and not delay it for partisan purposes. You I know, see. that's the way our government works. And it, it Fair play, you know, it, it, it may inure to the Republicans' benefit someday when they have a Republican uh, president. So this this is just – it happens in a democratic society that nobody wants or Oxford, but it just happens to be Mr. Obama's uh, turn to make another appointment. The well, Republicans aren't happy about it. Right. Last question for you. I lied. That wasn't my last question. Uh, what happens – to the cases right now that are before the court, there was actually decisions that were in the process of being written w- with Scalia. What happens to those cases now? And what if there's not an appointee uh, nominee that gets confirmed in the next year? What happens with the cases that are set to come before the court? Does Roberts, do they go ahead right. and hear them and take a chance on a tie? Does Roberts have the right, right. To, to, to not to, to hear cases? What happens with that? Well, uh, ironically enough, 
some of the issues that are most important to conservatives are likely to suffer a defeat, uh, you know, with the four to four, uh, you know, split right now. Because if they're just if there's not a majority to overturn lower court decisions, then the victory goes, you know, to the decision in the lower court, which is harmful to the Republicans on some of the issues like the, the union issue, um, some of the immigrant the immigration issue, depending for the court. But right. Uh, you know, quite, whether uh, Chief Justice Roberts has the uh, authority to order rehearings or continue those in the next term, I, I quite frankly don't know. I've read a lot about it either way. Mm. I don't know if there's a historical precedent for it, but one of those I'm fluid sure situations. Near... Yeah. Right. All right. Well, Jan Ronas, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can get more information from Jan at Ronas Ronas Law is him on Twitter and uh, RonasVonHelms.com. For more on the man, Jan Ronas. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Jan. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Sure. Bye. Bye bye. All right. We're going to take a break and we come back. We got more of this throughout the show to talk about. But I told you before the show, I wanted to talk about Scalia, but I also wanted to put some focus on Hillary today because I was really concerned. I expressed it on Facebook. I was concerned about the infighting that went down, which was fueled by the Republican Party, by the way, Saturday night. They loaded that audience with donors that were intentionally there to shout down through booze. It was such a liberal tactic. You want to sh- you want to shut up the opposition? Shout them down and... And, and do everything you can to silence them from a variety of different bullying tactics. And, you know, whether or not your Trump is your guy, he said it really well when he said, look, we gotta, we've got to coalesce because we got to face Hillary Clinton in the fall. So well, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the show today talking about Hillary. And you know what? I'm, one of the things that I'm going to do, Miss, I'm for women, vote for me because I'm for Miss Women Issues. We're actually going to talk to a woman named Kathleen Willie and see what she has to say about that. Y'all know who Kathleen Willie is. Stay tuned because you're going to hear from her next. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea K.? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea K. Show, glad to have you all here with me tonight. That's not one of my usual R&B, like smooth groove happening songs, you baby. You said you wanted me to switch it up. Oh, that's true. Y'all know I like to mix it up here. In fact, I'm mixing it up today because I'm, I'm, I'm shifting away from like the main topic that everybody's talking about today. Y'all know I loved Antonin Scalia. Scalia, I keep calling him Scalia. I don't know why. It's Scalia. Scoliosis. Well, oh yeah, maybe that's what it is. As much as I revered him, as much as I'm concerned about what this means for the court, I was also concerned and upset by what went down with the GOP debate Saturday night and the fostering of the infighting and nastiness that went on among the GOP candidates. And Trump said it so well afterwards. 
And whether you like Trump or not, and that's that's your guy for the nominee, he was right when he said, look, we got to be coalescing together because we've got to fight Hillary and beat her in the fall. And the, all the infighting that's going on among, among the conservatives and the Republicans is taking the tension away from where it needs to be. And make no mistake about it. Everybody's talking about her feeling the burn and this and that. Hey, it's Marxism in action going on with the Democrat Party because it doesn't matter whether or not Bernie thinks he's earned these delegates through the superdelegate process. What's his is there for her to take. And she is going to be, barring any FBI indictment, which I really highly doubt is ever going to take place, who has ever been held accountable in this administration uh, or, or on either side of the aisle since Nixon, I predict she's going to be our nominee. And she's also, not only is she going to be the nominee, but she's going to be beating the drum of that first, the historic nature of the first woman president and the woman card and the Republican war on women. Well, you know, there's been a real war on women, Hillary, involving her and the Democrats, and she was at the heart of it. And there is nobody who knows that better than Kathleen Willey. And I am incredibly honored to have her on the show today because make no mistake about it. Hillary will be playing the woman card going into the general, and she deserves to be called out. Her and Bill Clinton, she is, somebody said it best the other day, they said Hillary is the Camille Cosby of the Democrat Party. And I am so angry that the, the Republican Party allowed the Democrats to blame them and say that they're the party against women when it's the Democrats, and in particular, Hillary and Bill. Kathleen Willey, it's an honor to have you on my show tonight. Oh, good to be here. Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I appreciate your willingness to come forward after what you went through, not just with him, but the way that you were personally assassinated afterwards that included Hillary Clinton. Many people today who were around at that time and politically aware, their memories have kind of faded. And then on top of it, we've got a whole new generation of voters, Kathleen, who know nothing about it. If... If you can tell everybody what happened between you and Bill Clinton. Well, what happened was, and I'll make it quick, was that he was a friend of my late husband's and mine. We we were good friends. We started Virginians for Clinton. We liked him. We believed in him. Um, and we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for him in that election cycle. We even gave him a, an office in his um, law office suite. And so we considered him a friend, him more than her. Um, and he found himself in a very precarious financial situation. And at the time, I was a stay-at-home mom. I hadn't finished college. And I was volunteering at the White House. And I said, after this all came to light, that what I was going to have to do was get a real job. So at that point, the president was my best shot because I had worked so hard for him. I mean, not that I was held out over his head, but, you know, he was my best shot at getting a job someplace. Right. And um, so I went to see him. And um, it was the Monday after Thanksgiving, and that's when we had sat down with our children to tell them what had happened. And so I asked to see him the minute I got to the White House, and his secretary said, just stay by the phone, I'll fit you in, and which he did. And I went in, he was sitting at his desk, and I sat down, and I was very upset, visibly upset. I was, trying, I was crying, but trying not to. Mm-hmm. And he looked 
very sincere and sympathetic, and he said, well, let's, let's go get a cup of coffee at that little kitchenette back here right off the Oval Office and where we can just talk more privately. And so I didn't think anything of that. And so that's what we did. And then he said, why don't we go here? This is my private study, and we can, mm-hmm. we can sit in here and, mm-hmm. and talk. And I thought, well, okay, because like right. I said, you know, I was there to tell him my problem. And hopefully, you know, that he could ask him if he could help me. Right. So I knew my time was short, that they'd fit him in. And so I told him what was going on, and I just said, I really need your help. And if you can help me, anything that you could do to help me would be appreciated because we're really in a tough spot here. And um, I said, I, you know, I don't want to take up any more of your time. And I thanked him for seeing me, and, and I started to leave to go down the hall to the door back in the Oval Office. And at that point, he grabbed me, and he backed me into a corner. And, you know, hands all over me, mm-hmm. whispering in my ear, you know, I wanted to do this since the first time I saw you. And I just kept, I was so stunned. That right. I, my first, first thing that came to my mind is, what in the world is he doing? Right. And, and you know, I just was trying to get out of there. Right. And just get away from him. And he's much bigger than I am. Right. I mean, I'm small, and he's he's much taller than I am, and bigger than I am. And you know, he can be—he's very aggressive. And um, but he just wouldn't—he you know, he just kept on going. And kept I kept on going. It, the the rumor or the word is is that he ended up leaving you with a, a fat lip. No, 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 that was Juanita. Oh, gosh. See, you know what? There's so many women who've been victimized by him. It's hard for you me to get the story the straight. Of it. You, you, you really don't know the half of it. I mean, and, and this is one of the reasons that I come back out and I, I put up a new website. Mm-hmm. And, and, but anyway, um, his aide started banging on the door <gasps> saying, Mr. President, you've got a meeting waiting for you. And... He was completely. He completely ignored that. It just didn't. It didn't. He just ignored him. Wow. And I and I'm and I'm saying, you know, you've got a meeting. I've got to get out of here. You know. And finally, he banged on the door again a couple minutes later, and he, and that distracted him enough so that I could get out of there. Wow. And um. You know, the thing I just had so many things going through my mind, and. And I was, I thought to myself, God only knows he's waiting on the other side of the door right. you know, for this meeting. Right. And sure enough, I open the door, and there stands uh, um, Lloyd Benson and mm. Leon Panetta. Oh, yeah. And a, a woman by the name of Laura Tyson, I said, and I thought to myself, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, do I look a mess? I mean, I, I, you know, with all the rumors flying around, this is the last thing I need. Right. And, um, but anyway, that's, that's what happened. And, so then uh, what happened after that and what, what was Hillary's involvement? Well, the, the, the really bad thing about that story is that my husband took his own life that day over <sighs> the situation. Oh, I so that's what I, I, that was one of the reasons I was so upset when I went to see him because I'd been trying to find my husband all day oh, because that, that, that that day was a deadline for him to pay 
pay back some money that he had taken from somebody. Mm-hmm. So I was panicked. Um, you know, I heart. was trying to get a job. I was just you know, so he completely and, took advantage yeah. of you as a woman. That mm-hmm. there's no greater to me. What a predator! He is an absolute predator predator of women, and yes, she's known right. it. She's known yes, it. Yes. She's yep. encouraged it and enabled it, and actually participated in the assassination of women who came forward. She didn't participate in it. She orchestrated it. She was in charge of it. Do you have an example in the few minutes we have left? How she how she did that? Can you describe that? Yeah, I have example. I have proof. Um, number one, I don't know if you remember um, Christopher Hitchens, the yes. late writer. Yes. Well, Christopher just happened to have had a, a, a lunch engagement with Sid Blumenthal the Monday after my sixty minutes interview. Wait, is and this the same Sid Blumenthal went, that was that was emailing yeah, her when he wasn't Sid. supposed to be emailing her because he wasn't supposed to be involved with the State Department? Yeah, the same right. Sid Vicious as we uh-huh. call him because right. he's a miserable, nasty, horrible human being. Mm-hmm. He has no morals whatsoever. Right. And so Christopher, Christopher had a, actually had a witness. His wife was with him at the time, and Christopher said to him, "Well, it looks like your guys." in big trouble after last night's uh, interview on 60 Minutes with Kathleen. And he said, well, she might look good today, Christopher, but she's not going to look good by Friday. Wow. And he was so outraged by that, that when all was said and done and the star investigation started, he he made himself available. He offered to testify in, in the, at the grand jury and sign an affidavit as to what happened. And they were longtime friends, good friends. Yeah. But he just knew what he was doing was right. Yeah. And then there was another incident that she has some of the most famous uh, private investigators in the country on retainer. And um, one investigator who was in Maryland was told, was given a job. And it was very clandestine. He had to meet his boss in the underground garage, or I mean, like, like, it was clandestine. And he was given a job to do. Mm-hmm. And he asked his boss, "Can I ask where this is coming from?" And he said, "The Oval Office." Mm-hmm. Well, he did the one thing that no private investigator does which was he was so troubled by what he was told to do to me that he called me and warned me. Wow. And he used his fictitious name, and he, I wasn't here, and he left a message, and he said, um, my name is Kirk, and I just want to tell you that to please be very careful because there are very bad people out to get you, and I will call you back tomorrow night. Well, he never called. Right. Well, I... Yeah, I, I was, we have proof. Yeah, yeah, you have proof. And my last question for you in the minute that we have left is, why do you? What do you want to say to the voters out there who say this was just a, between them and their marriage? This this was a long time ago and should have no bearing on this upcoming election. What do you say to those people? It's it's not a long time ago. It's ongoing. I mean, it stopped now because the word is out. The worm has turned. You know, it, when she came out with that commercial about if you've been sexually abused or raped, you know, you have the right to be listened to, I couldn't believe it. Right. I couldn't believe it. And that's what started it. Right. She started it. Then she t- called Donald Trump 
um, accused him of sexism, and then he, then, then that's when he said, "Okay, well, let's talk about your husband." Right. And, and now, now the worm has turned, and it actually, I never thought. I I know Juanita. She told me her story. It was horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, she was sobbing, and I was crying after she told me. I don't doubt one single word of what she said. I don't either. And I, my hope is, is that people will understand how important this is. It is important. It is it, absolutely it is. important. It is. This man and this woman are the two most corrupt, evil people that have yes, ever existed in, to me. And I can't. I, that may sound hyperbolic, but I absolutely believe it. These people no, are evil. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and and, and you know, what do you hear? What's going to drop next with with all the, uh, the investigation that Charles or Cal has been conducting on his own, right? And, and what he's uncovered—I mean, he's uncovered a, a massive global fraud of the Clinton Foundation to the tune of at least fifty billion dollars. Well, you know what? I, I I think that's the perfect tee up because I got to end with you, Kathleen. Because guess who's coming up next on the Andrea K Show, and that's Charles himself. Oh, good, because he has got quite a story. Because if, perchance, they don't nail her with the email problem, which I think they do, I have, I mean, I have 100% faith in Comey, in James Comey. Right. But if, by some reason, they don't get her on that, this foundation and what they've done to people and the money they've stolen, it's like he said, it's Robin Hood in reverse. They've right. taken from the poor and given to the rich. They're going, they're going to jail. I hope they are, Kathleen. I do, and, too. And I hope I you come be, back on the show. I'll be the first one to say I want to be there for the famous pop walk. Oh. <laughs> you and me both, <laughs> That's Kathleen. That's all I need. That's all I want. Thank you so much for being on the show today, and I hope you and oh, Juanita and all the others Thanks. continue to speak out. God bless you, Kathleen. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye. We're going to take a pre- quick break, and we come back. It's Charles Ortel. Didn't Kathleen do a great job of teeing up the next coming segment? Don't go anywhere. It's the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434. Or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Miramar Kitchen and Bath. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. I got nothing in my brain. That's what you decided to tee up, Dijon. 
Actually, I love that song, and it's just a great way to roll out the final segment here on the Andrea K Show. God bless Kathleen Willie. Just love her to pieces. And she teed up my next segment so well. She's talking about the brilliant Charles Ortel and the... Uh, the... I'm, I'm at a loss for words. The I'm trying to think of a way that to describe it. He is digging deep to uncover the crud that is involved in the Clinton Foundation. Charles, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Andrea, it's my great pleasure to be on the line with you. Thank you. Um, I was watching last, I think it was last Thursday night's Democrat debate. And on top of, once I, go, once I turned the volume down, because I could hardly hear over that, uh, Ricardo Montalban from Star Trek neighbor jacket, you know, she had on. Uh, one of the quotes from Hillary Clinton that really jumped out at me was she was talking about how she was just going to really stop all this secret money that's going to fuel people's campaigns. <laughs> it's just so terrible out there, Charles, what these Republicans are doing with their secret money. And I'm sitting there, are you kidding me? Now, of course, if she was, she was saying that at a legitimate debate with actual moderators who were part of a free press that actually saw their job as someone who would, you know, hold an elected official accountable, they would have busted her on it for the secret money that's going to her campaign through the Clinton Foundation, right? Well, except I think one of the moderators is a Judy Woodruff, who's a donor to the Clinton Foundation. So, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, you really wouldn't expect her to be too uh, too harsh. I mean, this this uh, situation. Uh, I've been at this about a year, uh, not re- not simply because I don't particularly like the Clintons, but much more because I'm I'm very interested in finding charities that make sense to uh, you know encourage donors to give money, and uh, you know for my own personal uh, purposes, trying to understand what constitutes a good charity, what's not a good charity, et cetera. I thought the Clinton Foundation reports, you know, given it's for a presidential foundation, and it's not like they have no money. Uh, to pay accountants and, and experts, I thought their reports would be models of you know of how you should report. And instead, I can report to you uh, really exclusively now uh, at this moment. I've discovered yet another problem, uh, which goes all the way back to 2004. And it is it, it, to me, it suggests there has been a criminal conspiracy to cover up the theft of 64 million dollars from the Clinton Foundation in 2004. Ever since then, under the George W. Bush administration and now under the Obama administration, the IRS has to know much more than I know uh, because they get a lot more information than anybody in the public domain gets. And all I'm using is just looking at these foundation statements, and I found uh, stunning evidence, which I'll be writing up in my report. And I'm not just marketing a report because I'm putting the report out for free. Um, Stunning evidence that the people running the Clinton Foundation in 2004 knowingly stole $64 million. And guess who was one of the most important trustees in 2004? Who's that? Terry McAuliffe, chairman of the (gasps) Democrat National Committee. Wow. In 2004, in the year they were trying to unseat George W. Bush, $64 million went missing. And ever since then, people around the Clinton Foundation have been trying to cover it up. Well, and you know what is, I'm thinking of Bush, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, doesn't doesn't the Bush family refer to Bill as Bubba, and Hillary is like their sister-in-law, and didn't W go down to Haiti and actually get, get involved in the Clinton Foundation? What do we know about Bush's involvement, the Bush family, and W himself? Well, you're speaking to a distant member of the Bush family, uh, but, yeah. that, but uh, I'm not kidding, but beyond that... Uh, I, I have had some dealings with the Bush family, and I can tell you that 
uh, in the main, they're honorable people, but they get involved with some very, you know, you just look at the public domain, they get involved with some very questionable people. And unfortunately, uh, this is also coming out of my report, it's not simply the Haiti problem. The real problems for, that, for, for the Bush family with this foundation started when Elder Bush, H.W., cooperated with Bill on the tsunami rescue plan, uh, and, and there a bunch of money went missing. Then in 2005, they got together, that's Elder Bush, 41, and Bill got together on the Katrina Fund. Mm -hmm. And as I will be reporting in this report, there tens of millions of dollars went missing as well. It was illegally constituted. Bill bragged about how he raised a lot of money. It's on his annual report right now in his own mm -hmm. words. He's going to have right. to argue, say that he, you know, he, he was lying, that whatever he wrote in his own annual report is a lie. Because in that annual report for 2005, he confesses to criminal charity fraud. Wow. Now, you mentioned to me last week when we spoke on the phone, I contacted you because I get on Drudge Report and up comes this big headline. Clinton Foundation received subpoena from State Department investigators. Now, you were just describing stuff that went on in 04 and in, in 05, but this is regarding 2012 and what Huma Abedin was involved in for six months in 2012 when she was employed at the State Department, the Foundation, Clinton's personal office, and a private consulting firm with ties to the Clinton Clintons. What about this? Yeah, I wrote about that a couple of years ago, I think, or over a year ago, anyway. Um, so what happened was that on June 29th, 2012, uh, Uma Baden, uh, who has whose ancestry is quite suspect, in my view. Yeah, they're all the, they're all the Muslim Brotherhood people. Well, her mother was the founder of the Muslim Sisterhood, and mm -hmm. and her father passed away, but he was also involved. She was involved. They're highly suspect activities. Suspect activities that. Security experts tell me would mean she would have never been able to get the kind of security clearance that she was allowed to effectively operate with, whether she had it or not. Mm -hmm. So on June 29, 2012, she was brought into this uh, service, uh, documents suggest, where she was, as you say, working for four different groups at the same time. Now, how do you do that? I mean, people in America are having a hard time finding mm -hmm. one job. How does she get four? What I suspect was really going on then, and you look into the history, in June, on June 29, 2012, uh, Mohammed Morsi was sworn in as, as leader of Egypt. And mm -hmm. In Arabic that day, he swore that his number one objective would be to get the blind sheik out of prison. That is the man right. who was responsible for the 93 World Trade right. And, you know, that, was, that played well in Egypt, that, but that was going to be a massive problem for uh, Barack Obama because mm -hmm. there was no way the American public would stand for that. Right. So as a guest, she was using her Egyptian contacts, and indeed a man who had been working at the Clinton Foundation had been left the Clinton Foundation to go work in Egypt in a senior position. So as a guest, she and that man were trying to tamp Morsi down before the election. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Now, one of the things that I found interesting when you and I talked last week, because I saw that headline on um, Drudge, and I thought, oh, finally, you know, subpoenas, maybe there's some movement, some traction that's going to, you know, actually take place to hold Hillary accountable. So I immediately called Charles. One of the things that you told me last week when we spoke was that it was the biggest charity fraud ever and involved some really big names like Bill Gates, Elton John, and Sean Penn. What's their involvement? All right. So, what, what goes on in this world, and I have to say, you know, generally speaking, the Gates Foundation does a, pr a pretty good job reporting. But they got involved fighting HIV/AIDS and donated billions to that effort. Um, and they, uh, Bill Gates got involved, uh, in, unfortunately, in 2001, 
supporting a charity called the International AIDS Trust. It's a pseudo-charity because they filed to be a charity. I don't think they were approved. And the corporation, International AIDS Trust, was dissolved in 2005 in Georgia. So that was Bill's first involvement, January 29, 2001, with that, which he has not disclosed in his uh, foundation filings, as he should have. Mm-hmm. Um, then they got involved with another thing that they set up. Well, they started sort of, he and Iron Magazine started raising money on an ad hoc basis, which you're not allowed to do outside this country, which you're not allowed to do uh, in, in charitable guise. And the amounts of money were huge in, in relation to the size of the, the main charity. So they were material, so they should have been disclosed, and they weren't. So it's bad disclosure on the, on the part of these people. Well, I look forward to having you continue to come on and continuing to do the digging here because, you know, what, hopefully it'll be a death by a thousand cuts. If, it's, if Benghazi alone wasn't going to bring her down, if the email scandal alone isn't going to bring her down, I had Kathleen Willey on, if that, that, that what's going on with the evil and the, and the history of you know, predatory attacks on women doesn't bring her down, hopefully this being another piece of the puzzle, hopefully all of it will eventually be the destruction of the Clinton machine. And hopefully eventually it will all end up to where there will be no course of action other than for her to do a a perp walk, which Kathleen Willey is looking forward to. Charles, thanks for coming on the show. How can people get more information? Uh, go to my site, www.charlesortel.com. All right. Thanks so much, Charles. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Now, in the final moments that we have of the show tonight, I want to tell you, tonight being President's Day, I want to tell you who my least favorite president is. You know, we've all talked about Mr. Free Chicken in every pot. So many people know or think they know who that was. They think that free chicken in every pot and free car in every garage was specific to FDR. That actually started with Herbert Hoover around the time of the Depression. Um, But Hoover's still not my least favorite president. It is FDR himself because, you know, I still attribute him to be the free chicken in every pot because he was really the guy that put together the New Deal. And if you throw a matzo ball in that, then you really got Bernie Sanders. Because if you look at all the programs, I don't even have time. I'd have to do a whole hour of my show to get into the incredible expansion of government under the false guise that government was going to take care of the people. This is socialism. This is when it really started in our country and really took root with programs like the Civil Works Administration and the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Federal uh, Emergency Relief Act and, and the National Industrial Recovery Act and the National Youth Administration, Public Works Administration, on and on, Social Security Act and on and on and on. And, and it was all, and at no point, look where we are today. We've got an unsustainable entitlements that we can't pay for. We've got $19 trillion in debt. We've got a job participation rate at its lowest time since then. We've got people in poverty more than we've ever had ever at a time in our history. What's the proof? What's the message to the American people? It didn't work. It's time for the New Deal to actually be a restoration of what made this country great and it's free market capitalism, not the socialism. But what's the mindset of the people who can't see the government is a failure and we cannot have individuals putting all their faith and their hope and their trust and their lives in the hands of the federal government. What's, what's the movement today? More of it. More of what doesn't work. It's absolutely astounding to me. We have got to coalesce around a Republican nominee going into the general election. And I don't care anybody but Hillary. Anybody but Hillary. And my message to the Republican Party tonight is... 
he had no respect for the law, you don't have to respect him and confirm anybody that he puts forth for the Supreme Court. Thanks for being with me tonight. I'm going to be right back here tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on AIM 1170 KCBQ. Have a great night, everybody. Because I'm the happy